two, and one. We are live, Mr. Jabba Dabba 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 Do. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are live. Welcome to Q and A session eighteen, I believe it is. Yes. Episode eighteen. Better late than never, right? Because we're right. only how many days late and how many hours? Way too much. Like, like a week and three days or something. Wow, you, you, even worse than I thought. Like that's that's pretty bad. All right, so yeah, real yeah. life happens. Real life does happen. So well, where where has Chase been? Where Chase has been in Orlando. Uh, Chase has also been in the excellent uh, company of uh, Orlando Health, uh, and I got to enjoy a nice little uh, hospital visit for uh, a little bit. Uh, while I was in Orlando, there's nothing like it. There's just absolutely nothing like going, you know, traveling around uh, for work and then like ending up mm-hmm. in the hospital. Uh, so, but yeah, I um, I think that's like mostly resolved now, which is pretty dope, uh, to be honest. Um, but uh, but yeah, I also like picked up additional sickness i think from the hospital or maybe i didn't i don't know but that's mostly resolved now and i am back on the path to better health especially like with my new diet uh which i'm actually really enjoying my new diet and i actually changed it up a little bit recently to stop um you know losing weight because i i make my clothes just don't fit me anymore like i am mr baggy here so I'm going shopping very soon to kind of rectify that situation. But anyway, yes, I am back uh, in black as well, um, because why not be cliche as possible? And um, so, awesome. Uh, glad to be right. back, folks. And uh, Jab yeah. is also glad to be back. He better be. So, you know. Oh, my. Oh, my. Jab. Oh, it my. better be. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, uh, do you want to go through the format or should I? Uh, you know what, Jab? I think you can go through the format, even though we have the format, like, kind of, like, pseudo-posted on the whiteboard. Yeah. So, why so, not? We'll... So, effectively, if you want a question answered, we go in uh, terms of priority of Platinum Patreon, uh, Patreon Platinum Silver. Platinum Silver. And, and, and then, after those, there's the Super Chats. After the Super Chats, there's the Discord. After the Discord, there's the YouTube. Now, obviously, um, there's going to be some limitations as to how many people, how many questions someone can ask, because uh, it's probably not fair if somebody asks 12 questions and then we spend a whole hour answering only their questions. Exactly. So, I think we're going to limit it to, for a silver patron, (laughs) we're only going to do one per episode, but you know we will go through every single question so as if you've asked one question it's definitely going to get answered and it's going to be the definitely same platinum it's going to be the same for platinum however i think we might give them a little bit more slack maybe two if if we're really feeling generous maybe three i'm not sure it, it really I'll depends on volume case. it really depends on volume yeah. but uh yeah like i so... mean if it's like three short questions that you could answer in like a couple of sentences yeah Yeah, exactly yeah but i mean but if it's uh if it's a periani question which we might have to spend 15 to 20 minutes on we can't do 12 of those oh my goodness (laughs) that he needs to like not give us those uh diatribe uh questions jab that's uh 
not something I'm down for. So nah, uh, I mean they're they're really interesting questions, and they they are a really good. Discussion. He actually spends a lot but, of time on those infographics too, which are pretty dope. But I know, but <laughs> we can't do a Periani Q and A session if you know what I mean. So no, exactly. I think like those sorts of questions we might have to limit to say one, or, but yeah. we'll see what happened. Yeah. Chase, what are you pointing with? Oh yeah, the so elder wand. This is the elder wand. Uh, my, if you guys don't remember, because I mentioned in a lecture recently, uh, the the Harry Potter character that I am basically is Gellert Grindelwald, and uh, so I recently had the opportunity to uh, go visit the uh, Harry Potter store in the Orlando airport, and I purchased uh, Gellert Grindelwald's wand, which happens to be the elder wand at the same time. So. It's my uh, new prop uh, for uh, the studio. And speaking of props, actually, we're going to be adding a little bit more props. I got some art being shipped to me uh, pretty soon. And I'm actually going to start framing stuff and uh, start uh, kind of curating things a bit more. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that, uh, kind of spruce some things up here. Maybe I should get one of those pretend plants, you know what I'm saying, a fake plant of some kind. Maybe I shouldn't, I don't know. Right, but. Right, uh, right. I know that would make Jab happy. He's always trying to get me to get fake plants, aren't you, Jab? Aren't you? Mm. I mean, I'd rather get you an aquarium of frogs and we can lace the tank with atrazine and see what happens. <laughs> but <laughs> great, just great, Jab, just great. All right, so let's fire it up. What's the uh, what's the first right. question? All right, the first platinum question is Periani's. So he's got multiple infographics. Okay, so go into more. the channel and have a look at the infographics. More infographics, of course. How could there, like, not be infographics? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Infographic one. All right. Oh, my goodness. Starting with these types of axes. So NESI, NISE. Yeah, the axes, cognitive axes, and then attaching the four archetypes each... Each lead one to the parts of the mind. Uh, dominant perceiving example. Okay. And E hero, SI inferior. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Doesn't the typical path of function growth resemble the hero's journey monomyth? Ooh, interesting. Should we put these up on screen? Yeah, except I am an ENTP and I can't even remember how to go about doing that because I'm terrible like um. that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Pretty sure you save them to your computer and then set a set the image as a overlay. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, All right, well, well, here, here, I know what we can do. I know what we can do, Jeb. So let's give this. So here's the link. Um, drop it in the YouTube chat, and then also yep. drop it into the live stream discussion channel so that everyone can just get on the link and they can look at the link themselves. So. All right, so I'm linking the link right now. <laughs> that way we're not, like, too terrible. I hope you didn't link me the wrong link and it's, like, some sort of dirty picture. That'd be very awkward. That would be awkward. That'd be very <laughs> awkward. I know the perfect picture, too. It would be a pig being wrestled by some random, uh, um, you know, a pig in mud, and he's, he's wrestling some random uh, lumberjack. That'd be the perfect dirty photo for everyone. Or uh, or a, a photo of Dick Van Dyke. So, Dick and, Van Dyke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I recently sent one of those to somebody. Uh, all right, so... <laughs> <laughs> Having conquered uh, the demon and integrated it as a daemon, uh, 
the hero completes its journey in uniting the parts of the minds. Um, yeah, uh, yes, uh, it is kind of interesting that it does uh, resemble the hero's journey monomyth. The, the, the difference is, is that eventually the hero function, you know, as as the ego gets older, it its cognitive attitude changes with age, and it's not so much a hero as much as it is like a warrior, basically. Because the difference between a hero and a warrior, a hero, while very powerful, it goes off, it slays the dragon, right? And it's killed the dragon, and it comes back, and it has a big party in the town. Look at me, look at me, oh, look at me, I slayed the dragon. Great, Mr. Hero, you're fantastic. We all know what you care about, the glory, right? But the warrior, much different, right? So the warrior is actually someone who's just doing the duty. They see the dragon coming before anyone else is. They go up, they slay the dragon, they come back, and no one's the wiser. Except one person finds out the good deed that the warrior pulled off, and then guess what? He's like, hey, you did a great job. Why didn't you tell anyone? He's like, I'm just doing my duty. See, that's the difference. Like, that's, that's the, the most maturest mm -hmm. form of the hero function. And certainly, right. it does resemble the hero's journey monomyth. I, absolutely, it can. It, it can. But uh, the difference, though, is, and like, well, this is actually two questions in one, by the way, for this infographic, just saying. Uh, but uh, so if so, uh, then given these two observations, dominant perceiving functions use perceiving functions in all four of those archetype slots. Okay, yes. Dominant judging functions. Okay, yes. So yes, I agree with number four on that. Is there significant uh, or insight gained from concluding the hero-led ego of dominant perceiving types is on a journey of integrating parts of the mind through dealing with the other perceiving functions in order to help develop a greater complete capacity to perceive? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. I could I could see how trying to leverage the gateway functions, uh, you know, and, and trying to like make it the hero's journey as if it's part of like integrating the the uh, the gateway functions uh, for towards perceiving or for judging, but not necessarily because remember, people, especially in this audience, you guys need to really understand it's not about individual functions. You always have to keep track of the entire cognitive axis itself. I actually got into an argument yesterday with someone on Instagram about how they're trying to tell me that I need to be okay with adding this method to like my type grid stuff about how, oh, you could identify anyone's child function very easily and then you just you could start working at it from there. And it's like, no, actually you can't. You cannot just, you know, identify someone's child function that easily. It's not that easy. I, I don't know why people think it's easy. People need to stop trying to type people by individual cognitive functions. Like, and I'm sorry, I see people do that. I instantly lose respect for them. I just do because I know that when you have one function, another function, they're on an axis with each other. Or when you have one function, another function, if something um, dysfunctional is going on or if something uh, problematic is going on, one of that function temporarily is going to break off its axis and it's going to go into orbit of one of the shadow functions that it's attached to. And it'll be in an orbit, right? So if your axis and you have your orbit, right? It's kind of like um, it's kind of like a an X Y uh, pattern on a, a, a on a graph, etc. Except it's like three dimensional, but. Uh, you have to understand, like, in the same way that we have, like, protons, electrons, you know, all those things floating around nuclei, et cetera, within atoms, it's the same process with our cognition. So that's just not how it works. So, again, individual functions, it is just not going to be it. So I'm going to have to say no to 5A. And 5B, the hero-led ego of dominant judging types on a journey uh, to become, develop a capacity to judge and develop a complete capacity to perceive. 
Kind of. I, again, you still have to hold in the axes because you could still, um, you you could still see, you know, like, I mean, I see his point, and it's a good point. Periani's point is great, but again, you know, you still have to look at it because when Carl Jung first laid out the cognitive senses, because that's what cognitive functions are called, and originally by Jung, they're called cognitive senses. He would identify people by their top two functions. Now, I'm very against identifying people by their functions, but he would be like, hey, you know, you're an introverted intuitive who has uh, extroverted feeling, for example, right? And he would just break it down in their top two functions. And that's all he did. And he realized that there are 16 variations of people, which is their top two functions. You kind of can't do that because even the top two functions themselves, the hero and the parent, they kind of flow into each other and they actually impact the story of the person. Why is this? Well, here's an example. I'm extroverted intuitive hero, right? Uh, but I have TI parent. Let's look at an advocate, an ENFP. They have extroverted intuitive hero, but they have introverted feeling parent, right? They're morally navigating all fate, all of reality, basically. But I'm trying to find the truth in the metaphysical world. I'm trying to, and I'm a, a truth seeker uh, as a result because I'm trying to process uh, metaphysics, process fate, process alternate realities, process eternal possibilities, 360 degree vision. But that 360 degree vision is actually more like a sphere because it's 360 degrees at every possible angle, right? And I'm able to see all of those futures, all of those uh, uh, fates, etc., all at once. And the thing is, as a result of seeing all of them, I have to find the ones that I like the most, introduce stimuli into the time stream, basically. And I could do that because I live in the past and because I have fixed point in space-time within my introverted sensing that I could utilize to be able to go from there. That entire concept is left out of Periani's model here. So yes to, it is kind of a hero's journey monomyth, but then there's the step beyond the hero, which is, you know, what is the wise, you know, the, the, the wise, mm -hmm. the wise warrior that goes beyond the hero. And then you have, um, is it trying to find a greater cap capacity of perception? Sure. So to find a, a, a greater capacity for judging? Sure. But it's not the end all be all. You still have to compensate mm -hmm. for the other functions because if you don't, you're leaving all of that out because again, no one function can function without its other corresponding function. But then, here's another thing. No action can take place without information being gathered by a perception function and a decision being made with a judging function. So without those two in place, nothing is going to happen. So that's why I have to disagree with his premise for, for question five. And that's how I answer that Periani question. Um, mm -hmm. let's, 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 that's two questions for him. Let's, let's move on to one question. Keep it one question for Platinum today. Let's, let's keep going. Okay. All right, well, then we go down to Mellow, and it looks like there's a bunch of short questions. Um, so how many short questions do you want to do? Two or three? Uh, let's start off with one. Let's see how this goes. All right, do you think there's a limit to how much verbal communication alone can accu accurately describe someone's nature? Uh, yes, uh, and this is goes this goes back to uh, Plato um, or well, just the classics. I don't know if it's Plato or if it's Socrates. I don't remember which philosopher said it. So if someone in the audience knows, by all means, bring it up. Uh, but uh, basically, um, the uh, the more the the more you work to define something, the further away from the actual meaning or the actual definition you get, basically. And that's a problem. I was I was reading a book earlier today. Um, 
It's called uh, A Look at uh, Living Free by uh, someone named, uh, I think it's Bob Trask. Uh, an old friend, an, an old mentor of mine gave me this book. And it talks about, he has an entire chapter devoted to truth. And he's like, truth ultimately is undefinable because the only thing that is actually true that we could prove because truth in in reality truth is largely subjective because it's just not exactly provable except there is only one provable truth and that is that absolute truth itself does exist and because we know absolute truth does exist because logically speaking mm -hmm. if absolute truth did not exist um well reality would basically break apart as we know it because you know the statement, if saying that absolute truth does not exist, if that statement is true itself, it cancels itself out. So automatically, we can assume, logically speaking, that absolute truth does exist. But that's the only actual provable truth, right? All right. other truth is not exactly provable. That's the problem. So what you end up having to do as a human being, recognize that because absolute truth itself exists, all you have to do then as a human being, as a man essentially, as or a woman, you could seek that truth. You become a seeker of truth. That's the point, right? So, right. But the thing is, when it comes to truth and absolute truth, what is true and what is false, realistically, that comes down to the frame of reference. Exactly. So, for example, in a scientific experiment, you know, you can get the, you, you know, you can calculate, you know, the uh, gravity of Earth to 9.81 something, something, something. But that's not really the gravity of Earth because it varies depending on where you are on the Earth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So realistically, unless you narrow down that frame of reference, you absolutely can't. As be well true. as where you are in space time within the solar system itself. Like again, that you change the reference, you change the mathematics. You know, like exactly. It, even talk about this in the Marvel films, like the Ant Man films going into the quantum realm, et cetera. Everything changes because the environment. Right, itself, right, right. Like, what is the frame of existence? That's what we're trying to find. Wow, I'm getting to like existentialism. Love it. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, abs absolutely. It all comes down to the frame of reference. Um, all right, what's next? Yeah, it's this is this one's actually a really short question. So, okay. will you please make an easy to digest video with the purpose of spreading influence and interesting newcomers? So, uh, yes, and those are basically my Instagram videos. So go watch my videos on Instagram. Although I haven't posted there in a while, I'm going to be getting back to that very soon as I start producing more lectures because I'm going to be doing little mini videos on Instagram relating to the new lectures that I have coming out. So we'll get to there. All right. Yeah, I see. You should write a CSJ for dummies book. CSJ for dummies book. <laughs> thank, thanks, Jab. Thank, thank you. Thank you for that. Right. Um, that's enough questions for Mister Mello. All right. Um, okay. Aiden asks, "Thank you for your service. Are you feeling better today?" Yes. We don't know if the cognitive functions. <laughs> I hope you're not going to count that as a question. See you, Aiden. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, we don't know yet if the cognitive functions are physical systems in the brain, though if you were to speculate for each side of the mind, would you think that there are four sets of cognitive functions in the brain, each for each type, or would you think that there is one stack of functions set up for the ego? And when you switch between different sides of your mind, the stack is actually changing order, or the connections between each functions is changing? No. No, no, that's that's not how it works. Um, okay, so how many cognitive stuff, isn't it? 
Dario Naharis from Game of Thrones. Awesome. Uh, you think you mean Dario uh, Nardi on that one? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice one, Jab. Uh, no, that's not how it works. Okay, so we 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 use eight cognitive functions as a model, but in reality, how many cognitive functions does the mind actually have? It's eight times four, right? But then again, it's actually sixteen times four cognitive functions. It's actually how much is available because you have. You have four functions per side of the mind, four sides of the mind, and every time that you are actually in one of the sides of the mind, you still have that side of the mind also has 16 functions of its own as a reference, basically, depending on what corner of the mind you're in in that particular time. What this means is, is that your cognitive functions are effectively bleeding into each other. You could, through willpower or discipline, actually solidify your pathways uh, so that you're actually like holding hard, you know, like in your subconscious, for example, uh, to those functions in that particular moment when you're doing a cognitive transition. And it's got to be like a really hard transition, which is, which is actually really done through mind-altering substances, as we know, right? But, <coughs> but here's the thing. Uh, that's, uh, that's, it's a completely different approach. So think about that. It's really 16 times four is the total functions or the total reference points, uh, that the brain has to actually cognitively come up with something. It's just, we use the base eight, uh, because it's pretty easy and, you know, and it really, it just, it just becomes like a, a frame of reference essentially. So, and that's, um, that's where I would keep it. So, yeah. Awesome. All right, are we giving Mr. Aiden another sec uh, second question? Uh, no, not till later. Let's let's move on. All right, Q&A. All right, patron Q&A. So, so this is apparently a follow-up question from a question last episode. All right. As a more cerebral INFJ, heavy TI, who often tests as INTJ, I find that those INFJs who are more TI-heavy are attracted to NTs rather than NFs. Why do you think this is? And could being of this subtype of INFJ change things? Shouldn't this be taken into account? Why is... No. No, I I don't group people by subtypes. Like, is this like another argument for uh, assertive versus turbulent? Which, by the way, I'm going to debunk that very soon. Uh, the, uh, no. Um... I, th I think what's being asked is, since this person naturally has developed themselves to be more TI heavy, they find themselves, when they're mistyped on these MBTI tests, it mistypes them as an INTJ because of their natural TI development. And what this person is saying is that because of this, they find themselves in a preference with NT type. Well, let's when let's talk about let's let's talk about INFJs, for example, who have stronger TI. And I have met one. My mentor was one. But let's be honest. The reason why their TI is so strong is because their mind has their parent function is not as developed, which means they have less maturity. So their so their lack of maturity is why their TI is stronger. So they there's a nurtural component which is impacting the cognitive functions from a nature component. There's a lack of maturity there. I. I tell you the truth, any INFJ out there who has what we call uncontrollable TI child, and I'm referring to you, Bale, specifically, out of everybody else that I know, <laughs> that's right, calling you out on this one, Bale, overactive TI child is because you lack the maturity in your parent function. 
That's the issue. Your parent function is underdeveloped, which means your introverted intuition hero is teaming up with your TI child, and literally you're making the majority of your decisions based on those two being in a loop because you lack a developed right. parent function, right? So develop mm -hmm. your parent function, and you won't have that issue anymore. Your TI child will still retain the strength, but the thing is, if you've been using your child function for so long, like, and giving it free reign to do whatever it wants, basically, it's going to take you even longer to develop your parent function to gain the level of maturity that you need to actually control and discipline your inner child, right? And that's and when that happens, also like your child, if it's if it's unbridled, if that child is undisciplined, guess what will happen? Guess what? Then the demon function will team up with it, and you'll have the demonic child. We're going to talk about more about that later in like season 18, basically talking about uh, cognitive orbit when you have the demonic child and the demonic parents and, you know, when, when things like that happen. But you just got to mm -hmm. be, um, you just got to be aware of that. Um, so, oh, but okay. yeah, cool. Uh, what's next? Um, what are common reasons that an ISFJ would permanently leave a social situation which they are heavily involved in? Uh, when their loved ones or those close to them are being harmed. Uh, for example, uh, let me tell you an anecdote. Um, I was sitting in church one time in this uh, cultish church um, in northern Washington state. And uh, my sister and the man, her husband, my sister and her husband, or they weren't married yet. I don't remember specifically if they were married or not, but her and him decided to leave the church basically, and they left. And like the leader of the church, when he was preaching, like completely just you know verbally destroyed them publicly uh, in front of the entire congregation. Uh, my mother, who is an ISFJ, uh, bless her heart, took great umbrage to that and effectively left that entire uh, abusive social situation and was like, never again, right? The problem is, and I mean, I'll admit to this too, because I'm ki I am kind of share in that, we still didn't get out of that cultish church mindset for many, many years. And we ended up going from church to church to church and just ended up becoming like this whole crazy, crazy, dysfunctional, unhealthy cycle this constant cycle over, you know, being abused by people in church over and over again. But to answer the question specifically, you know, if their loved ones are being harmed, they will understand that it is their duty as a result of their sense of justice to take action, right? And that's how to, you know, kind of uproot them from the social situations. You have to prove to them that people they care about, people that they are loyal to are hurt, right? And that's basically how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, next question. What kind of gifts do INFPs like? It's my friend's birthday next month, and I'm really clueless. INFP gifts. Um, Cute plush toys. <laughs> uh, honestly, it's anything that makes their, their life easier. Uh, massages uh, go pretty well. Um, is this like an INFP woman or male? It doesn't matter. Like, massage would work for either, quite frankly. Um, mm hmm uh, taking them, uh, taking them shopping, uh, and, and, you know, they do need to be taken shopping, especially clothing shopping, especially with like an SE user who can help them with their dress, please do. Um, and, uh, that, that would be <laughs> useful. Um, 
Although eventually INFPs could actually develop a sense of style over time uh, and have their own style to the point where they can become dandies, but uh, that's only after they've been sufficiently trained and they've been benchmarking and mimicking and it's actually a priority for them to do so because they realize that they gain a lot more social status for themselves as a result of doing that, which fair enough. Um, but again, that's just clothes. Um, they also like anything uh, sweet, food, uh, like uh, food with INFPs, especially something like super sweet uh, or anything or comfort foods, anything that makes them, you know, from a comfort standpoint, it goes a long way. That's something my, uh, my mentor taught me. The gift of food goes a long way, basically. And, um, and that is definitely applicable to INFPs in as much as it's applicable to bringing donuts to an ENFP in his office and social engineering him into hiring me, for example. So same, same type of uh, approach. So that's how I'd answer that right. question. Perfect. Um, what function is most likely to cause stress for an INTP, any parent, I imagine? Best way to reduce stress and anxiety? And best uh, way to get back to ego when forced out of it? An I critic. Their inability to make decisions and be mm -hmm. stuck in their comfort zone can cause a lot of stress. They just don't even realize it. It's happening. Um, for mm -hmm. me, it's my TE critic. TE critic when it's not like, like for example, when I'm doing expense reports or anything to do with a spreadsheet or I have to spend a significant amount of time mind mapping structure for, for business related things. That costs so much mental energy to the point where I have to literally shut myself off for the entire from the entire world and literally force myself to introvert and have no contact with any human beings just so that I can focus specifically on those tasks because of how mentally draining they are. And then after I've done that, I need to extrovert almost immediately because if I don't, I'm going to freak out and it's just it, like 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 actual I don't know. If, it, if it's constant, depression could actually settle in in some cases until my mind has had a, the opportunity to extrovert. That's why sometimes, like, I've been doing that a lot recently. I'll just randomly show up on our Discord, and I'll just start DJing. I'll, I'll, I'll literally get the music bot going, and I'll just start playing a lot of different songs within, like, the 40 different playlists that I have and just start DJing, essentially, for the community. And, and then all of a sudden, I see people show up. They're all listening. We're all talking and whatnot. It's one of the ways that I'm able to extrovert, you know, safely without putting myself at personal risk by, like, going to the bar or something and extroverting that way. Like, wow, going to the bar to extrovert is kind of, like, a really dumb thing to do, especially for an ENTP these days. So, yeah, I don't do it, right? So, and not only that, it's not like I have, I like, I don't exactly trust people or feel really comfortable with people, uh, especially where I live. And based on that, I have to come up with these creative ways to extrovert to be able to recover my mental energy after doing such stressful work when using my, my critic function. But yeah, stress, stress can usually be attached to the critic function more than any other function because of how super double pessimistic it is. Uh, because it's like having another parent function. And while it is effective, it just costs so much mental energy to actually be able to use. Um, however, with use over time, it can become easier and easier and easier as you get integrated. And it also helps you develop wisdom. So developing your critic function and using your critic function is very, very useful and a very good investment long term. I recommend it. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um... Next question. How can an ENTJ build writing skills to help portray their thoughts? Okay, yes. That's a great question. That's a great question. Okay, so uh, the answer to that is memory tools. 
ENTJs have introverted sensing trickster, which means all that information in their head is in the moment. And then all of a sudden, anytime new information comes in, it pushes the other information out. As I've said multiple times, they need to have memory tools. What are memory tools? Totems, photos, uh, notes, notepads, uh, sticky notes, um, uh, uh, mind maps. If you don't know proper mind map software as an ENTJ, get MindNode if you're an Apple user or MindMeister, for example. Mind maps are amazing. Uh, use these memory tools. Uh, Trello, for example, Microsoft Teams. Uh, we actually implemented uh, Microsoft Teams for uh, CSJ today, actually. And I have to say, it is the dopest. There is, there is a reason why Microsoft is back to being number one tech giant right now, and uh, they have definitely figured it out. Office 365 is so amazing, and so also is Microsoft Azure. So awesome work on that, Microsoft, and getting uh, Google back underneath your heel where they belong, right? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> anyway, the, the competition between the tech giants is always something that amazes me, and, and it can inspire innovation in some ways, and, and I really enjoy seeing how they're, they're innovating, although Google's got their Google Cloud platform coming up around the corner, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but yeah, that's how to answer that question. Memory tools. Okay. Um, hey, Chase, I read a book about archetypes a while back, The Spiritual Practices of the Ninja. It referenced a lot of materials you talk about, but doesn't really directly deal with depth psychology of the 16 types. I was wondering if you had read it. And if so, what is your opinion on it? I have not read it, and I have no opinion. But uh, Jab, uh, copy and paste me the title of that book and uh, DM it to my uh, zombie account, and that way I'll add it to my Audible so I can review it later. Um, but yeah, next question. Am I still... Can you hear me? Let's see... I get kicked out. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Oh. Uh, All right. I muted when I was sending it to you so that you didn't hear my keyboard. All right. All, all right. Good. Next question is, how did you find your mentors? How can I find one? I think I'm an INFJ, if that makes a difference. Okay, the story about how I found my mentors. So when I was homeless, uh, I came to know uh, a gentleman, a uh, fantastic fellow, um, although him and I had a falling out later, but... I, I know that he forgave me, and I'm in the process of, of, of forgiving him. I was actually talking about that earlier today, actually. Um, but, uh, yeah, I even, I even contacted him today, so we'll see how that goes. But um, through, this, through this gentleman, uh, and him and I have some crazy history with each other. We've been through a lot together. Um, and uh, he had uh, other people. Uh, he had another guy who was working under him, and I started working through that other guy. And I started talking about MBTI because I was really, really well studied into MBTI and the, and the four-letter dichotomies and whatnot. And uh, I started talking to him about it as if I was like an expert and whatnot. And he was just so repulsed by that that he completely shut me down. And he did this in a high-rise building in, um, in Bellevue, Washington, actually. We were on the 22nd floor of the Copper Building in uh, downtown Bellevue. Uh, I, I remember it big time. And he's like, you don't know what you're talking about. He's an ESTP, right? His TE critic was out. He was like owning me at that point. So he goes over to the whiteboard and in front of the customer starts whiteboarding uh, my cognitive functions. Uh, and it started to explain to me about how much of an idiot I am uh, about the, and I have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, I was really embarrassed. Uh, 
wow, he verbally destroyed me and read my mail uh, to me in front of uh, the customer. And that was really embarrassing. And I deserved it because quite frankly, I was an arrogant prick. Uh, so, which interestingly enough, we ended up on the job the following day driving to Yakima on the other side of Washington State and uh, for another job. And in the car, he told me, listen, um, I've decided that uh, I'm going to become your mentor. And, uh, and then he taught me the type grid for the first time. And uh, through him, I met my next mentor. And I studied under my next mentor for, for about a year and a half uh, after I studied for almost uh, about eight months under the ESTP, right? So... Um, so thank you, uh, Mr. Bryant, for, uh, for being there for me and, and showing me the way and correcting me uh, and uh, making sure that uh, I'm not uh, a pompous uh, prick when it comes to MBTI. And uh, another advantage to this mentor is he taught me a lot about manhood and he really, really seriously assisted me uh, in developing manhood and uh, he just couldn't stand the fact I was basically a giant man-child at the time and um, really um, moving me forward in that direction. Now, how do you find mentors like this? Let me tell you something. When the pupil is ready, the master will appear. That's how it works. Mentors kind of find you. You don't find mentors. So here's how you allow mentors to find you. Here it is. Here's the number one secret, the absolute number one secret to finding amazing mentors in your life. Here it is. Let me tell you. Listen. That's it. Listen. Everyone is so busy not listening to people. I am so tired of it. I have to like listen to everybody. People are criticizing me. Stop looking at the man who's criticizing you and actually like listen to their arguments, right? Listen to their arguments because they might be right. What if they're right? Who cares if they're a hypocrite? Listen to what they have to say. Check yourself first, all right? Then after you've done that, Take responsibility if you actually are in the wrong. That would be nice. Take responsibility, right? And then after taking responsibility, uh, uh, then you can assess uh, the other person, what they're saying. And if you need to call them out on, hypo on hypocrisy, so be it. Go for it. But ultimately, just realize when the pupil is ready, the master will appear. How does the master know the pupil is ready? When the pupil is listening. You just have to listen to other people and apply what they say. And if they see that you're listening to their advice, they will offer more advice. Such begins the mentor relationship. What's next, Jab? Okay. Um, hey, Jab and Chase, any ideas on how an ENFP can overcome their SI inferior? Uh, is it as easy as simply having a great time, or is there more to it? Thank having you a great time having has nothing it has the opposite to do with having a great time. Uh, you need to force yourself to do things you've never done before, no matter how painful or inconvenient or disgusting or horrible they are. Just do do things you've never done before, and just kind of force yourself to have new experiences. That's what you have to do. INTPs especially need to do this, even though they don't have SI inferior because they're even more at risk of being stuck in a rut because they actually have lower introverted intuition than an ENTP, right? And because of that, they have a harder time really having mustering enough willpower to get out of that rut, whereas the ENTP can, right? The ENTP is slightly more moldable than the INTP, which can be an issue. But again, at the end of the day, between the two of them, ENFP, you just need to do things you've never done before and literally seek 
to have new experiences, seek to do things you have never done before, and seek to listen to other people, seek truth, etc. That's why I tell ENFPs they need to read and never stop reading, and they will get the benefit of reading more than anyone else because through reading, they're forcing themselves to have new experiences that they've never had before as a result of reading, right? That's why reading is so important, so keep reading. So, what's next? All right. Hey, Chase, you said that ENTPs need to have more faith with their SI inferior. Can you explain that further? Is that literally the same question? Oh, did I? Yeah, but like... Yeah, it literally is. Yeah, next. Never mind. <laughs> Can you explain a little about how type affects health and body? You said in one video ESFJs live a long time. Why is that? And are there certain types that take better care of themselves? There are types that take better care of themselves, and there are types that if they don't take better care of themselves, they're basically going to die early. For example, NTs. NTs, if NTs do not take care of themselves, not actively seek to improve their health, they will die young. That's a fact, because the SI demon or the SI trickster will consume them from the inside out for the NTJs. And then, uh, and then extroverted sensing demon and extroverted sensing uh, trickster will also consume the uh, the NTPs as well. So NTs, for that, that's an issue. Same with NFs. It's the same process as NFs. Intuitives really have to be actively taking control of their health regularly, or else those functions alone will consume them from the inside out. That's why statistically, intuitive types. Are ending are have lower lifespans than sensing types, and then which interesting enough, a lot of people would argue with me on that. People would say, "Well, ESTPs and ISTPs actually, you know, they have an even shorter lifespan." There are some studies out there that actually say that. And the reason why is because a lot of things that the sensual behavior of SPs, right? Sensual behavior where they're focused on drinking, smoking, doing drugs. They're loaded up with STDs because of the amount of sexual partners they've had. Like, you know, for example, a certain family member of mine uh, who does. Um, but, you know, <laughs> he, he gave that up. Um, thank God. But but still, like, it's, it's still, um, you know, it, it, it's still it's still an issue, you know, um, really at the end of the day, um, you know, it, the sensuality of an SP, you know, can definitely bring even further risk, but still statistically they survive longer than intuitives. And then SJs, they're just the stoics, they're stoics. And because they're stoics, one, they could take the hits, they have higher endurance, the, their bodies have even higher endurance than most people, introverted sensing, um, uh, a hero and parent are that way and they just have that endurance and they also have a higher self-discipline and because of that they're more in tune to how their body responds to any of their behaviors and they can keep track mentally over time how their body responds they don't even have to mentally train themselves on how their body responds to certain behaviors and actions that they take they don't have to because their mind just does it by default by default, from the very beginning, because of how sensitive they are, and they understand their sensitivities at a very early age, which is why typically SJs end up becoming, in the long run, technically healthier than everybody else, right? Then uh, I'm being very general when I say that. But 
so it's like it's like the tortoise versus the hare right you know and the hare would be technically intuitives in this case and then the tortoise would be the sjs the tortoise wins in the end right and i'm just saying that archetypically there's so much different tortoise and hare uh, uh archetypes uh, relationships within each of the 16 types but i'm just comparing temperaments uh, when i say that for example uh, just to give you an idea so anyway uh, what's next okay as someone who has studied, so they're talking about themselves here. They said they studied Jungian analytical psychology since they were 15. The theory of the collective unconscious has always been most striking to them. You've mentioned, you've mentioned NE as the collective unconscious. So my question is, as an INFP, is it possible not to not only utilize my own past experiences with SI to recognize patterns and predict the future, but also utilize the collective past experiences of all humanity to increase the accuracy of such prediction. Absolutely. Also, thank you for your time. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, you can. Because all that has happened before will happen again. Time is cyclical. Time also rhymes. All that has happened before will happen again. Our This existence is a giant engine of constant rebirth, basically. And through that engine of rebirth, we end up having the same stories and the same experiences happening over and over and over again throughout history. That's just natural. The difference is, is that our race has gotten more and more advanced since the last time it was super advanced, right? And then as a result of that... Um, as a result of that, the collective unconscious continues to move forward. This is why you have the Maya and you have the Egyptians at the same time, two separate cultures across the world, two separate cultures uh, building pyramids at the same time, even though the two cultures have had zero contact with each other. That's the collective unconscious. It's the same kind of thing. So the answer to that question is yes. What's next? Um... Uh, are there any social factors that can affect one's apparent interaction style for example an sj in college surrounded by lots of sps interact differently than an sj sounded surrounded by nts in college no not My at all mm-hmm no, uh, the answer is no. What's happening is, is because they're around those people and how they interact, they may be cognitive transitioning to compensate. That's it. Right. Okay. I think all the rest of the questions are people who have already asked the question. So I believe we had a super chat. Awesome. Let's go to the super chat. Christian Hasvik. Hello there. How would one know if one is immature? Uh, you would know if you're immature if you lack personal responsibility. Uh, so uh, this is a male person, right? A, a member of the male gender, right? I didn't hear the name. Uh, his name is Christian, so I would I'm going to assume, assume so. yes. And we all, I, let's assume let's assume that we are so assuming genders tonight, Jeb. Definitely assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I guess we're both asses right now because we're assuming. Uh, so, uh, so Christian, uh, here's how you know if you're immature. Uh, do you have a car? Do you have a job? Do you have your own place? Okay. Uh, If any of those questions are basically, and when I say car, I mean transportation, right? That's what I mean. If any of those questions are no, the answer to those questions are no, you are automatically immature by default because you have not reached king archetype. If you would like to know how to do king archetype, go to season 13 playlist on the YouTube channel and you will learn about the king archetype. While you're at it, 
watch all of season 13. It could only do you a lot of good. In fact, while you're at it, watch all of the nurture lectures, season four, season six, season 13. Learn how to better yourself. I'm releasing a lot of additional content on human nurture in the very near future. Uh, I think our next uh, human nurture related lecture is going to be next week. And I might even have a live stream. Actually, we will have a live stream devoted to that. Um, so just be aware of that. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting, and I, I'm looking forward to it. We've been putting a lot of work into that uh, with with the team right now. Uh, okay, um, what's next? Next question is another super chat from Sarah Robin. Awesome, thanks for the super chats, guys. What do you mean by time rhymes? And then there's like twelve question marks. Uh, time rhymes. Okay, it's a particular theory. Let's see if I could pull it up right now. Time rhymes. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Uh, time that rhymes theory. History and theory. Introduction to rhyme. No, that's not it. Well, think about what rhyme means. Well, I, I, I don't know about the theory, but I'm, I'm trying to get like the actual name of the theory so that mm -hmm. we know what we're talking about here. Well, I forgot which one it well, is. If you rhyme two sentences, that means you make the sentences sound the same. So if time rhymes, you're effectively saying history is repeating itself and is actually rather similar over and over and over. Am I correct in my perception? That's correct. So, basically, events in time, they're not, um, so yeah, all that has happened before will happen again, but uh, when time rhymes, it's like um, a, a, a similar event happens, <coughs> but it's not exactly the same with how it came about. It could have a different starting point or it could have a different ending point, but it's very, very similar. So it's like, so it's like, a, like a simile, basically. Uh, so, so think about it that way. Uh, I guess, but there is an actual specific theory, uh, and I forgot the name of the theory, and I kind of feel bad about that, but uh, trying to find which one it is, what explains how time rhymes, and it's 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 very profound. I recommend it, but uh, for some reason Google thinks I'm talking about poetry and music instead of uh, you know quantum mechanics, so it's really frustrating. But yeah, all right. Um, Anything else, Jeb, on that one, or? Um, I've, there's another question. This person's asked a question already, but it's a question for me. Do you want me to just quickly answer it? Go for it. All right, so, hey, Jebba, how'd you find out you're an INTJ? What's your experience like in terms of relating to it? So, the way I found out I was an INTJ is uh, Chase was trying to manage me once. We were playing... Uh, online video game together, also known as Spreadsheets Online. And in that experience, I was helping Chase manage a organization of over a thousand players. And being his right-hand man, he uh, wanted to use his uh, Jungian voodoo on me to make sure that I uh, worked smoothly within his team. We are all about and, voodoo. Uh-huh. He uses Jungian voodoo on me. And yeah, he basically said, you're this. And I'm like, oh, cool. 
Honestly, to me, it was just the model of explaining <clears throat> how I would behave and respond to certain stimuli. I think, deep down, I understood, and probably through Chase's excellent communication skills, was that nurture is a big component of that, and realistically... I mean, so, why didn't you tell me? How do, how do I relate to the INTJ archetype? Uh, I'd say pretty spot on. Uh, right down pretty to, spot on. <laughs> right down to uh, S inferior, uh, expert intuition, um, expert intuition uh, uh, nemesis. Uh, so, I mean, our conversation that we had last night, um, and, you know, we're friends, we have heated discussions sometimes, and we had a heated discussion last night, and, uh, you know, I was I explained to you, you know, what my primary need was, which was to be, you know, to be trusted and be given the benefit of the doubt, and your retort was, well, my primary need is to not be abandoned, and I'm like, yeah, you're damn right about that, and then I, and I, and then I said, you know, later in our conversation, I may be yelling at you right now, but I'm not going to abandon you. Right, you know, because that's that's it, you know, like, um, you know, and that's 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 the power of, of uh, you know us being friends and uh, and getting through struggles right. together and moving forward together. Uh, another way of looking right, at absolutely. this, another way of looking at it, you could even go biblical from the book of Proverbs. It is written, um, as iron sharpens iron, so does one man to another, right? Right. So it just it just makes us stronger at the end of the day. Uh, and you know, so Absolutely. yeah, your need of not being abandoned by people is absolutely a hallmark to the INTJ, because INTJs when they're young, you know, they're they're at risk of being gullible, and that's really you know, it's sad that that happens. And people like me exist to try to protect them. It's really, really worse. It's a real travesty when people like me, ENTPs, take advantage of INTJs in that way because we recognize how INTJs can be gullible in that matter. Ooh, that's like one of the worst things. That's like a crime against humanity right there, quite frankly. But guess what? It's not just the same with ENTP, INTJ, friendships, relationships, whatever. It goes beyond that. Like with ENFP, INFJs, for example, the same kind of thing, um, except that it's the ENFP preying upon the, uh, the worthlessness feeling of the INFJ, for example, instead. Instead of like the necessary mm -hmm. gullibility, it's more of like um, a, a lack of self-worth and they're preying upon that, <coughs> right? And it, it's just absolutely sad to see highest compatible golden pair types, golden pair relationships literally duke it out like that because they absolutely know exactly where to hurt the other person. They absolutely right. know because they could read each other like a book and they're completely exposed and completely vulnerable at all times when they're around each other. And to see people go at each other's throats in those situations, it's literally the saddest thing to see. And that's why it can really hurt most, if not the most. That's why it is also written, another biblical reference, you know, a friend uh, or an enemy um, or, a, you know, a friend... Uh, you know, you, you could trust, you know, pain from a friend, hurts from a friend. But, you know, a friend, they'll, they'll, they'll help you out, they'll hug you, they'll give you a kiss every now and then. But an enemy will multiply with kisses, right? That's the thing. That's the thing. You got to mm -hmm. be really, really careful about who you let in your life <coughs> because of that, right? And, right. you know, and, and trust, 
trust, especially from an INJ, they can't just easily give trust because once one person has screwed with them in that area, forever it's etched upon SI demon and they will not let it go until they have proof positive, constant proof, and a pattern. A pattern, consistent proof, and that's just how it is. But that's okay. That's why people like me exist. That's why people like ENFPs exist for IN, for INFJs, etc. Good ones, ones uh, ENTPs were actually sincere, or uh, ENFPs were actually charitable, right? Instead of being depraved, or me, instead of me being insincere, basically, that's the difference, right? So I think that right. answers that question well, pretty well. I mean, I just want to follow up with Go one more it. point. Go for it. I think you're definitely right in that regard. I think what really makes a friendship or a relationship or, you know, something that will, you know, some sort of relationship that will work between two people, whether it be whatever, family, friendship, acquaintances, I think the foundation of those relationships is your ability to overcome conflict together. Exactly. And as and as someone in the audience has pointed out, betrayal is the worst because it doesn't come from an enemy. That's absolutely 100% true. Right. I, I mean, I remember back in our relationship, Jab, what is it? Three years ago? Four years ago? Years, yeah. And you, you accused me of betraying you. And I, I was so mad at you for that. But then at the same time, I realized that well, okay, this really looks like a betrayal. I didn't actually do the betrayal, but it looks like one. So I'm just going to make sure that I go out of my way to prove that it was not actually a betrayal. And that's why I immediately, you know, uh, I, 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 I transferred, um, uh, what is it? Oh, it was station docking access so you guys could get to your carriers and whatnot. That's what that was. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry about that. That was an oversight on my part. I take full responsibility for that. That was just me being retarded, not actually trying to betray anyone. Um, and and we and we set it straight right away. We set it straight, and it, and it hasn't been uh -huh. a problem since, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Right. Right. I didn't play that game. <laughs> you do either. No, I don't. It's a. Uh, it, it was nice to uh, be able to quit it. Uh, so, but you know, yeah. Get it and quit it. Yep, definitely quit that one. <laughs> All right, what's next, Mr. Jab? All right, we're going now to the regular questions. I mean, there's a few more in the Patreon channels, but they're from people who have asked multiple questions. So I'm not sure if you want to ask those some more. But no. we can go to the regular ones. And yeah, let's, let's, get, let's get some regular ones in there for, for everyone. All right. During midlife, feeling the transition of second of the four types of the mind to develop when the stages cycle, would the third one develop as rapidly as the second? In a decade or less? I'm not trying to confine the timelines for these. I'm just wondering if the second and third sides would take equal and or separate lengths of time to transition towards development within. I'm 47 and I fully want to embrace this development that seemed to kickstart late age 39. I held my foot on the brake for far too long. <clears throat> okay, um... The answer to that question is no. I I got it. Uh, the answer to that question it's it's no, it's no, because the subconscious and the shadow develop completely different, completely different tracks, completely different. You can't really compare the level of development in either, and it really depends what your maturity level is. <coughs> it depends on how potentially happy as a person you are, in terms of development. It completely depends, completely. Right. So. Um, and then 
it gets even worse. That's just the nature side. But what about the nurture side? What about all of your family influences? What about dysfunctional relationships? Uh, what about stones that you have left unturned, right? That's something that I've been learning a lot recently, Jab, is making sure that no stone is left unturned, right? That includes past hurts, right? Uh, past mm -hmm. guilts, um, relationships uh, that I've had with other people that have gone wrong. I need to make sure that I am actively seeking to do right by those people consistently and not be afraid to do so. And you know what? If right. that means that they're in my face telling me that I'm a blah, 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 you know, that so be it. But at least the ball is in their court, right? Because it's their responsibility then, not my responsibility. I at least made the effort to make amends. See, that's the difference. Mm -hmm. You know, think about this. Th think about it, people. Like, especially from like an afterlife point of view. This is very profound. But remember, the only thing that you could take with you when you die is your relationships with other people. So tell me, what business do you have having unfinished business, right? I'm like literally talking like Casper there for, you know, the friendly <laughs> ghost. But uh, let me tell you, I don't want to be a friendly ghost. I want to be like not a ghost. I want to be out of here. You know what I'm saying? Like when it comes to the afterlife, right, the only thing you could take with you is your relationships with other people, okay? And that's very important. So why would you not go out of your way to seek to have amends with people, people that you know you have wronged or people that have wronged you? You still have to take responsibility and make sure that you are holding those people accountable. But you also have to go even further the greater responsibility, which is to make sure that you are holding yourself accountable and being accountable to other people. And stop being like immature about it. It's one of the greatest lessons that I've been having to learn recently. And guess what? It's painful. It sucks. But it's the right thing to do. Oh, a pragmatic focused on doing the right thing. See, that can actually happen because, you know, I have ISFJ subconscious and ISFJ subconscious is affiliative. Right? So just keep that in mind, folks. It's a lot harder than some for some people because they may be more pragmatic than others. But at the end of the day, you know, it's kind of interesting, you know, when, when someone who is triple pragmatic because their ego, their subconscious, their unconscious, right? They're triple pragmatic and yet they're more focused on doing the right thing than everybody else. Mm. Yeah, that's the power of FI child. You see what I'm saying? But the rest of us, can we really figure that out? See, that's the problem, man. It's like this double standard that we don't even know that we have, and we shouldn't be living that way. Relationships with other people matter. Start making amends, people. It's your responsibility mm -hmm. to do so. And, and also <clears throat> make sure you're holding those people accountable in your life because if you just let it go, you're really screwing yourself in the long run. You don't want that burden. So what's next? All right, next question is from the same person, but it's just a really short one, which... I guess everyone wants to know. Do you have any plans of coming to Southern Florida in the near future? Would love to meet up here. Uh, I don't know. I I hope to go. This business takes you there, I guess. I hope to go to Miami. Um, I was told recently about this really cool art thing uh, that happens in Miami, and I definitely want to check that out because I'm obsessed with art. I love art. Um, I have one form of art that I produce myself. 
Uh, I just don't share it with people. Uh, but I mean, we got we got the the Black Lotus painting, which is awesome. We got uh, me drawn as CS Joker right here, which I'm going to frame that. And uh, I actually got uh, a bunch more uh, art being uh, shipped to me pretty soon. Uh, so I'm also going to like, you know, put up here, but I, I, I love art. Uh, art is like everything to me. Right. And, um, you know, and uh, like even martial arts, it's another form of an art. It's still an art. Right. So like art, art is a big deal. Um, and that's why, you know, I mm -hmm. would, I would like to, you know, potentially, you know, explore Miami when the time, when the time comes, but outside of that, like, um, probably, uh, I don't know. I, I really have no idea. Um, our meetups are kind of like staying focused right now in the Bay Area. Um, and uh, it's because I've done meetups outside of the Bay, outside of where I live. And I just haven't really, I just, I don't know, either a lot of people show up or nobody shows up. And uh, it's just kind of extremes. Also, like I'm traveling and I'm like super mega tired at the same time. So unless like there was, you know, some other format that we were following to just just randomly show up at a Starbucks in, a Ve in Vegas, uh, you know, for like for a meetup, it's it's kind of it's kind of difficult. The other problem is too, meetup.com only lets you attach one zip code. So if people are trying to search you, you're not going to show up nationally. That's a major issue I have with meetup to the point where I might like create my own meetup specifically with that feature just so I can like, you know, laugh at them. But probably don't have the time and resources to do that to be honest um but uh yeah but yeah all right well that answers that next question how can i improve my te nemesis as an istp i know i should trust and verify but it seems like a waste of time also i hate giving orders i mean i know what's true and what i what they should do i hate to say the same thing twice and they just don't understand is this an ISTP asking this question? Mm, that's what he says, I think. Yeah. He says he's an ISTP. Well, he needs to see himself as a mentor who's there to mentor people. But a mentor is going to allow people to fail first before even offering help. <coughs> they need to see the results of their failure first before coming in. Because remember, when the pupil is ready, the master will appear. Otherwise, that will be seen by other people's arrogance, and then that TI hero will just alienate other people, and they will not be interested in conversing with them whatsoever. So I see. Okay. If nonfiction benefits those with low TI, do you think that fiction can benefit those with low FI to give emulated emotional experience? I'm sure there's a lot of valuable fiction out there. Like, for example, Ender's Game, it's fiction, but it's an extremely profound book. And I, I'm sure, I, I really don't know. Is this person, like, reading a bunch of romance novels? Like, I'm sorry, I can't answer this question appropriately because I, I have no frame of reference to really make that judgment, so. <coughs> okay. Next question. Do you believe there are people somewhere who do not fit into 16 personalities? Let's say NI... P-I-S-E-F-E? -E? Uh, no. I don't. Right. That would just be someone with, like, a poorly developed function somewhere, so it appears lower, right? Yep. Okay, I'm going to be kicked out of the uh, Discord channel any second, so give me a second here. Send me a PM or something, and then that should make yeah. it know that you're not AFK. Oh, okay. Send me a dot. Dot. All right. There Thanks. we go. Thanks. All right. Oh, um, uh, oh, hey, by the way, I sent you those three links. 
uh, we found that the theory itself was originally from Mark Twain. If you get, if you could put that in the live stream chat for that last super chat, that would be great. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do that real quick. Um, it's Mark Twain. Is it Quora? Quora link or the Huffington Post? Uh, the first, the first two. The Huffington Post is just an example. Yeah. Yeah, It's just, they're, it's just an example of it, but about history rhymes, you know, Mark Twain's point was, you know, that time or history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. Basically, that's where the original um, adage for the theory itself came from. Basically, all right, it's in the chat, ladies and gents. All right, what's next? Uh, I just got to find where I was. Uh, can you change it back to the original typing colors with the option to change your color? Uh, I think this person is asking. The answer is no, and the reason for that is Patreon, uh, because our patrons have the ability to choose colors last I checked. I'm not entirely sure about that, but I believe that is true. So, next question. Specific to Zen meditation, I can understand how following the breath could be associated with SI, but the main focus of Zen is presence and lack of judgment regarding sensory perceptions, not to mention generally keeping the body in this position. Do you think this may be more of an expression of SE, or could it flicker between SI and SE, as per the radio wave analogy? It can flip uh, between SI and SE. It really just depends on the individual present. It also depends who's also in the room with them, or what physical objects are in the room, or if there's nothing in the room. There's so much. It just depends on the stimuli around them to to determine the specific reaction, as well as what nature they are with their soul themselves, how their soul themselves, how their soul itself will respond in that situation versus not respond. It's like a little bit different. You see what I'm saying? So. Right. Okay. How are ENTP women from you and other ENTP men? So I think what is the difference between ENTP women and men? (laughs) Uh, ENTP women uh, focus on more of the smaller things on life, whereas ENTP men are focused on the big things of life, basically. And that is explained uh, by um, the Egyptian uh, uh, the Egyptian definition of the sacred masculine and the Egyptian definition of the sacred feminine from ancient Egypt, uh, where that originally comes from. I don't remember the specific book, that uh, the anthropological study that talks about that about uh, the ancient Egypt's uh, approach to uh, uh, relationships. Um, but uh, after reading that book, I, I, was, I was absolutely amazed because apparently ancient Egypt absolutely completely understood gender rules and uh, understood uh, families and structure and, and how and what those cultural expectations of men and women should be, etc. <laughs> And it was all done in harmony. Uh, all the men were respected. They each had the rite of passage, for example. Uh, the women went out of their way to support the rite of passage, especially with their boys. Uh, it was an absolute fantastic culture. And it was basically centered upon the yin and yang principle. Even in ancient, e- ancient Egypt, they still had the yin and yang principle together. Although, I don't know about which book it came from. I'm going to have to talk to my ESTP mentor about that. I'll just send him an email because he's the one that actually taught me the concept to begin with. So, Okay. How can an extrovert have self-preservation and sexual instincts first and social instinct last? I think this is one of those SPSXSO questions. But All right, ask that again. So, what's it... 
what is it called again? The anagram or something? The S P S X S O. Oh, oh! If this is an enneagram question, scrap it and let's move on. Uh, I'm actually yeah. going to be doing an enneagram uh, lecture very soon because people keep asking me. So, that's right. I caved. I caved to the audience. There is an enneagram lecture coming. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I I haven't even bothered to learn that crap. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's not exactly useless, and it is Jungian. The problem is, is that you just can't really tell the difference between nature and nurture. Although, I think with that project that you and I are working on right now, Jab, the one that we were talking about at length before mm -hmm. we actually, uh, yeah. um, I realized that there may actually be a practical application with the Enneagram. So, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, that is possible. I'm working on it right now and a specific algorithm for the Enneagram. It is possible to see if you could use the Enneagram to measure a certain amount of cognitive transition capability in a certain side of the mind. I'm looking into it, uh, but it's not something that, uh, I mean, I, I will focus on it eventually, but, uh, but yes. Um, it right. may have some uses there and jab it may also have some additional uses with that little maturity index that we are working on so mm -hmm. uh, more on that later and we'll be discussing that at a later date but uh the enneagram is not exactly worthless i just try to stay with it be stay away from it because it cannot really tell the difference between nature and, nur and nurture and that's my big beef with it but right we may on. be able to use the enneagram with some other applications that would make it useful. So, more on that later. Okay. Perfect. Um, where are we? Where are we? This is actually a really interesting question. <clears throat> In this SJ-dominated society of ours, with the SJ core values of family, tradition, honor, and the constant need for protection, why are Republicans not more dominant in US politics? <laughs> why have why have votes been more or less split 50-50 between Democrats and Republicans in the past few elections? Okay, I'll answer that question right now because that's not how politics works. Let me tell you exactly how politics works in the United States of America. You have groups like the Council for National Policy, you know, with uh, with uh, good old R. Wayne Steiger as a, as, a, as a member of, he has a YouTube channel here, you know. Uh, you, have, uh, you have the Council on Foreign Relations. I had a good friend of mine uh, who sat on the uh, Council on Foreign Relations. I actually changed out his heating system in his house. Uh, good old uh, uh, Mr. Rimmer DeVries, really cool dude. Um, <laughs> former chief economic advisor to President Reagan or something like that. Uh, I, I don't remember, but uh, he's always trying to give me like publications all the time. He, I, I go over to his house and I'm working on his house and he'd be like, oh yeah, you know, I got a bunch of, yeah, hey Chase, you want some more publications? I got plenty more publications. They always send me publications, so, but I think you need to read publications. It's very important. I, I really think so. Like, okay, Mr. DeVries, I'll take your publications. But really cool CFR guy. Um, the thing is though, is that Regardless if you're a Democrat or a Republican, okay, you are not actually loyal to your party first and foremost. You're actually loyal to the CFR or the CNP. And all of your decision making, regardless if you're a Democrat or a Republican, is actually your first loyal to which council you belong to as a politician. And your decisions, maybe 60% of your decisions, 65, maybe 70% of your decisions, will be made in favor of which council you serve. 
okay? That's how it works. The rest of the decisions may go in favor of the party that you serve. But apparently Americans are perfectly fine with just voting for, you know, people who are, you know, ooh, I'm Democrat or I'm Republican, while completely blind to the council system that is actually behind Democrats and Republican parties. So you have to understand, if you really want to know how the American political structure works, get your head out of Democrats and Republicans and get your head into the councils. The councils are what actually matter. And guess what? You don't have to be a politician to be on a council. You have people like uh, Wolf Blitzer and Don Lemon at CNN who are like members of these councils, for example, right? That's how, that, that's how this works, people. It's all about which council you're loyal to in the United States of America when it comes to media or politics. It is not about political parties. And if you think it's about political parties, seriously, go get your head out of the sand. You need to really understand how all this stuff works because that's like how it works, you know? And you right. even, even have people like Ali Alexander or, or Mike Cernovich or David Pakman, like Mike Cernovich and David Pakman are secretly friends. Uh, but a lot of people don't actually know that, for example, you know, and uh, because, you know, and yet and yet you have Mike Cernovich talking the Republican Party line and then you have David Pakman doing the Democrat Party line. And yet they're actually secretly friends, you know, and it's like, guys, you know, read that book by Ryan Holiday. Trust me, I'm lying. Right. Read that book because you need to understand, educate yourselves that what you think or how you think the American political system actually works. It's not how it works. That's not how it works. Like, pay attention to the councils. Like, that's literally where it is, you know? Because if you are high media or if you are high politics, you're loyal to one of those two councils because guess what? You can't make it anywhere in any of those fields unless you are. And that's a fact. So, there you have it. Next question. <clears throat> wow. Um... When T is faced with a true slash false... Oh, I think we had a super chat that I almost missed. Yeah, sorry. Gary Barlow asks, how can I increase my empathy towards others as an INTP? Say again. So Gary Barlow asks, how can I increase my empathy towards others as an INTP? Um, by making sure you're helpful to other people. And as INTPs become helpful to other people, uh, and they're not focused on themselves... See, that's, that's a problem. Like... <laughs> NTPs have this problem where we get so focused on ourselves sometimes because we're just only aware of what's happening to us and we don't have expert sensing so we're not really aware of what's happening to other people and then we get really focused on ourselves as a result which can be like a serious problem and then because of that there's a lack of helping others in order for an NTP especially an INTP to develop um, empathy they need to be focused on supporting other people and helping other people. But guess what? Because extroverted feeling inferior is on a cognitive axis with TI hero, the more they help people, the more intelligent the INTP becomes, the more effective the INTP becomes. We actually have a member of my team who is an INTP who works for CSJ. And guess what? They're helping and they become so much more intelligent, so much more stronger as a result. And they've gained a lot of valuable skills because they are looking for the recognition that they receive when they do a good job. And I always tell them they do a good job because they do fantastic work. And I'm very impressed with their ability to learn basically anything and do something and do it well, right? Every now and then there's a few kinks here and there we gotta iron out, but for the most part, it's excellent seeing that INTP genius at work, and I'm glad to have them on the team. So, what's next? Um, um, next question is, 
Okay, so I'm very into going my own way, not having a set timetable to rely on at work. I don't really ask permission for anything. I need to be free, not controlled. But I'm very into making a community feel of environment. So a community feel in inverted commas. Like keeping a group of friends together, making a good friends clique. Oh, friends cliche. No, click. Yeah, click, sorry. I am uh, a bit dyslexic today, apparently. Out of the ones I work with, feeling like a family, I actually get a family feel to the people really quickly. Is this considered a feelative or pragmatic? I'm actually very much in the dark here. I mean, even I, as an FE user, get like a very family feel, so that doesn't necessarily mean affiliative or pragmatic. We probably need more right. context to be able to answer that question. Um, so yeah, you probably need a bit more context. Um, I don't, I think loving your family isn't necessarily affiliative, because it's your no. family. So, I don't think you can use that as a judge for affiliative. Affiliative is all about doing what's right, and having a strong circle of friends who you love and who love you is something even I as a pragmatic would want so I'm, I'm not sure you could say that's affiliative or pragmatic because it's neither I agree it's just it's just what we as humans want we're social creatures even as introverts right alright next question what do you think about ESTPs being philosophers? Would it be a sign of a highly developed INFJ subconscious? I love that question. What about your... Who asked that question? Who asked that question? C. Lady. Awesome. S. E. Lady. Oh, S. E. Lady. S. E. Lady. Okay. Thank you, S. E. Lady, for that awesome question. The answer to that question is yes. Um, I actually have an ESTP friend. He's uh, a white guy who is also a practicing uh, Muslim and. Uh, he is definitely a really, really capable uh, Islamic uh, philosopher. It is so amazing uh -huh. to be able to have the opportunity to talk to him on a regular basis about any uh, 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 Muslim concepts, basically, and uh, Muslim uh -huh. lore. And, uh, and uh, he's also given me like access to scholars and classes and whatnot. Now, why I don't personally agree with the belief system, uh, it's, it is interesting to have the opportunity to discuss it and uh, he definitely takes that philosophical role with his INFJ subconscious. And yes, that is a symbol of INFJ subconscious development uh, as a result. Mm -hmm. So. And this. Say again. Jabby there, did you. Uh... Okay. It still kicked me out, even though I gave you the dot. <laughs> Huh. Wow. Fair enough. Okay. Well, the question was, they said she said wait, that question on to what about your mental ESTP? Do you think he had a highly developed subconscious? Absolutely. Absolutely he did. Uh, he wouldn't have spent as much time as he did trying to make me not stop being like a weakling. Because I was super mega weak. Uh, because when we first met, I was technically homeless. I had, um, it, it was really, really bad. Uh, bad time for me. And I was a man-child. I was still married. She didn't respect me. I don't blame her for that. Uh, things, decisions could have been made differently. Um, I should have had enough 
self-respect to at least um, make sure I had enough money saved up over time, basically, um, for enough expenses over time uh, to be able to handle that. Um, and, uh, you know, for, for like six months of expenses, for example, to prevent me from, you know, being homeless. But then again, I couldn't because I graduated from university with $120,000 in debt with subprime variable interest loans, just like there were subprime mortgage loans took down the economy in the year 2009. Well, that's because those loans were given out in 2005 and I got my student loans in 2005 and that's when it sucked because at that point in time, I literally ended up paying $2,000, $1,800 a month, like $1,873 basically a month to my student loans immediately upon graduating, uh, you know, six months after graduating in 2008. So yeah, I couldn't, I, there was no job that I could have that would help me pay the, that exorbitant sum, right? So then again, I could have chosen to default on my loans. And then as a result of defaulting on my loans, uh, get through life that way and potentially not be homeless because I defaulted my loans. So who knows? But I never defaulted my loans. So I guess we'll never know what the wise decision was in those days. Regardless, I regret being homeless. Uh, I regret um, putting my family through that uh, and uh, never again. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is a deleted user, so I'm not sure who asked it, but they asked. Can you make an in-depth lecture on why socionics intertype relations aren't as accurate as the ones you have mentioned here? Sure, I'll do that. <laughs> All right. Okay, this is a very long question. All right, the nemesis function, or menace being the menace. My workplace is an SJ oasis, traditional cubicle office. And I have SJ co-workers who have freakouts over some TV weather broadcast. One ESFG fe ESFJ female co-worker will respond to the TV weather radar. Look, it's heading right towards us. Look, the radar shows rain moving towards us. She's deeply afraid and panicky. So when this ridiculousness, ridiculousness shows itself, something inside me responds out loud for all to hear. Yeah, we're probably all going to die. Some of my non-SJ workers will roll their eyes at me and ask, Todd, why are you making this worse? Or they'll ask, why, Todd? When I feel like I'm being evil. It seems fun, satisfying. The original freak-out behavior is ridiculous enough, so I add it to raise the bar of ridiculous. I'm wrong for doing this, I know, but I enjoy the op opportunity to let this slide out of me. Do I have a correct grasp of the nemesis menace slash villain? Is this an INTP? Uh, they don't have their type there. Yeah, I I can't answer that question without knowing from which perspective it's being asked. Kind of I mean, like, can I which type me? would they be? Which type would they be if they did have a correct, uh, correct grasp of the Nemesis uh, Menace villain? I don't know. It's more like, I don't know. Like, because, like, for example, ESFJs, especially... Like ESFJs, I call them like sometimes the office parrot. They literally repeat everything. And, you know, calling them Captain Obvious is not good enough. They're like literally President Obvious or Admiral Obvious at that point. Because it's like, yeah, we can see the train going by. Why are you saying that there's a train there? We, all of us can see the train. Right. It's not that hard. So We're all going to die. We're all going to die. Yeah. <laughs> 
And I can't believe like the SJ co-workers having freakouts over TV weather. Oh, if I was there, I'd probably laugh with you. It's just the experience, man. It's just the experience. <laughs> anyway, next question. Is it generally more difficult to type the elderly? I ask this because they could have a strongly developed subconscious or shadow, in addition to a lot of nurture having affected their life. Is it more or less the same strategy, type grid temperaments and direction styles, or do typing older people require deeper analysis of nurture? In brackets, which I look very, I look forward to learning about on the channel. So, are we saying that? Can you ask that question in a different way? Because I'm trying to understand the context. What this person's saying is due to the nurture component of development and the fact that people will be more naturally inclined when they get older, is it, is, uh, will it be harder to type them? And if it is, what techniques can you use to type them more accurately? No, because of primary versus secondary. Their ego is still primary. You could still type them. Mm -hmm. I think I think the hardest one we typed was me. That's right, John Cleese. John, John Cleese. He was old, but he was cognitive transitioning because he's lived his entire life as a comedian, and he yep. had to make people laugh, and it was effective. It's super. And he felt like he had to do it. Exactly. It's super. Uh, and super developed. And the thing was, as soon as we found that old video of him, he was very talking like I am right now, and he was very. Very proper and precise. He didn't make a single joke, and he started talking like this. <laughs> don't, ask, don't ask me why I sound like a Sean Connery, but whatever. Let's uh, let's do some uh, Patreon silver questions. All right, let's go back to the silver. Um, okay. What is the you best to way to contact again? you? Question submission isn't working on your website. Really? Question submission is not working, huh? Interesting. I will fix that. Let's write that down. Uh, question submission is not working. Uh, you can contact me at chase at csjoseph.life or you could reach me on Instagram at cs.joseph. What's the next yeah. question? Okay. Um, let's go to the top. What multivitamins do you recommend for women? What multivitamins I recommend for women? I did have recommendations, but my entire like supplement outlook is changing, uh, so I'm not going to be able to answer that question anytime soon. Um, so, right. Otherwise, I use Seeking Health brand typically, but uh, for now, I'm I'm basically doing a complete redo of uh, my my thoughts on uh, supplements given my recent diet change. So. I'll have to get back to uh, the audience on that one. I mean, my perspective of multivitamins and whatnot is usually is you should be getting everything you need in the right portions from the food you eat. And, you know, sometimes that can be difficult. And if it does, you should only su supplement what you're deficient in. Over-supplementing is just going to damage your kidney because your kidney has to filter all that extra stuff out. Yeah, which means you can overwork it. So on that note, yeah, well, that's that's a good point. I was I was told something very profound earlier today, and uh, you know, everyone's trying to get healthier by adding things. When in reality, is they need to be focusing on subtracting things, and that's what gets you healthier. Right. 
Well, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I am a chemical engineer. And if we approximate the kidney as a filtration device, the more stuff you run through it, the quicker you're going to damage it. The yeah. quicker it's going to wear out. Um, next question. Can, how can an INFJ train their memory? Uh, by surrounding themselves with memory tools and totems. Basically the same answer that I would have given right. earlier for that ENTJ that we talked about. Memory tools. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I should write a diary or take more pictures, but some things like intimate phone calls, you just got to remember. Yeah. Well, you could write You could write um, how the phone calls made you feel, and then when you were thinking about how the phone calls made you feel, that would be a totem to call back to the call. Yeah, exactly. So, with regards to the diary, that would help. Um, why is it that so many NP types love participating in visual arts like drawing and painting and art often very good at these skills when they have SE Demon. Is it because we dislike the physical reality so much that we would create a new one through our imagination for a different reason? Uh, it really comes down to abstraction and abstract art, and that's basically the NP art. It's based all on abstraction. Uh, so based on that, just... Uh, that's, I mean, I've known some really amazing INFP. Uh, like, I knew this one guy is an INFP, and his uh, his artist name is Human Soul. I think you can look up Human Soul on uh, gosh on Deviant's art. He has some amazing work, and he, he really really good with uh, with pastels. Uh, and that's what he would use for his art is pastels. Uh, it's unbelievable, but it's super super mega extract or abstract. It's it's I I'm blown away by by his work and i knew him in in middle school and in high school for example um and i believe his name uh, i think it's grant newton is his name human soul uh but grant was was exquisite and and that's an excellent example of infp artwork for example um but uh but then you also have like sp art as well like i isf ISFPs as well as ISTPs, uh, they can they can do things. But it's more about concrete art. It's not so abstract, right? So, and that's kind of like like the difference to it that I would say. What's next? Ah, okay. <sighs> I'm not sure if you want to answer this question. Well, I think you have an answer to this question that isn't the answer question. All but right. oh. Thank you, Gary Barlow, for the $2 donation. Thank you. Um, this Thank you very asks, much. Hey, Chase, what is the rundown of types from least compatible with ENTPs in terms of romantic compatibility? For, sorry, from most to least in terms of romantic compatibility. I think it's slightly different from your Season 12 compatibility lecture, right? Say again. Isn't that Patreon content? So this person's asking about romantic compatibility for ENTPs and how is it different from social compatibility? Oh yeah, that is that uh, Patreon. Content? That is Patreon only content. That's correct. Uh, delving deep Patreon in uh, romance or relationships, that's Patreon only. That's that requires gold tier. If you want to get in on that, we're actually doing a season right now, season fourteen. It's the golden pairs. If you want to know what golden pair you are, then definitely become a uh, subscriber on our Patreon, uh, specifically the gold tier, so you can gain access to all those private lectures, which are hosted on our website. So you log into our website and you actually. Uh, are able to watch the specific private lectures. We got two posted right now. We're gonna have some additional posted very soon, uh, which which will be fantastic. Um, 
especially since this is going to be like mm -hmm. a really short month. Uh, but yeah, definitely uh, something to be aware of, for sure. All right, well, this person is a gold member. So, Kate, my recommendation to you is log into the CSJ website. It should be going up there sometime in the future. I'm not sure how long it'll be, but... Um, yeah. Uh, other than that, I don't know what else to say. Yep, what's next? Uh, how are people with Effie Trickster likely to view the morality or goodness of the human race as a whole? Is it possible for someone with Effie Trickster to have an opinion on others' morality? Or are they always going to... Or, or are they always completely unaware of collective morality? I'm wondering this because I've been working on typing a singer who seems to be an ITJ, but she has a song that's all about attacks on the Boston Marathon and how corrupt and immoral the human race is because of this. Is it still possible for her to be an ITJ if she focuses on singing on issues like this? Or is it just a symptom of having FI Child, which is capable of judging others' morality? Okay, so FI Child, it's a very moral, the most innocently moral, the most divine moral function. So it has probably the most accurate most uh, uh, most accurate moral compass out of all of the types is FI Child, uh, provided it's getting um, providing it's getting uh, the proper output uh, from other people uh, th that it needs, while it's also providing input to other people so that they process it and then give it back to them in proper output, etc. Uh, and it's um, based on that. Uh, you have to understand that because introverted feeling is attached to extroverted thinking, uh, it's like, well, I'm labeling this uh, Boston Marathon as corrupt and this horrible thing, and they're using labels, and those are TE labels, and it's based on how they feel. So they're just sharing how they feel about it. It's not necessarily an FE thing. It's not an FE trickster thing. That's still an FI child TE parent thing, actually. So that's that's difference it's 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 those labels basically that they're using to describe the problem that's not fe trickster that's actually fi child still so mm -hmm. um do you want me to uh, i've given everyone a second question in the uh, Great. silver tier let, q and a let, let's go back to, go to, to uh, uh let's a few more yeah 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 let's do another another round of platinum uh, do we want to do Periani's second question? I think that's the Let's one. do Periani's second question. Yes, let's do that. That sounds like a great idea. All right, I'll post the link to it in the chat. Excellent. Boom. All right, Please so be a dirty picture. let's take Perfect. the four sides of the mind for any given type, ego, subconscious, unconscious, superego. Then let's zoom out of the structure using a fractal framework. Okay, we've zoomed out using... The bigger iteration of the fractal implies there are four new sides of quadra, which refer to us as families, made from the sets of four personalities that always go together in the parts of the mind model. Yes, it fits together like puzzle pieces. Yes, that's correct. Four quadras. Family one, the x-axis separates the INTJ from ENTP and ESFP and ISFJ on either side. Looked at another way, the y-axis separates the INTJ from ESFP, ENTP, yes, 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 yes. Uh, family two, okay, yes, family three, four. Applying the journeys of growth previously mentioned, since each family cycles the same types through the four sides of the mind, the same four types interact with each other in complementary archetypical roles, archetypal roles. The resulting significance of these four families 
is that each family forms its own journey themed by each from the types that make up that family does the fractal then imply if four people from the same family each with a different type interact with one another they would form a unit capable of growing each other i.e a journey of holistic growth the answer to that question is absolutely yes although it will be full of conflict that's that's the issue uh because there's always going to be at least one person in that group that's pissed off. And however, the dominance hierarchy uh, that is established as a result of gender, as well as uh, who is the most dominant person present in the room, someone always gets singled out in these families per se. So while it can be a journey of holistic growth, which it is possible in an ideal world, sure, uh, socially, that's not actually what's going to happen. And three of those types are going to gang up on the other and actually cause conflict. And one person is not going to be growing whatsoever. And it's going to create like a clickiness behavior, basically. There's always going to be an odd man out. We see that consistently with even the interaction styles. Direct initiating control, who's the odd man out? Well, it's the ESTP because the rest of the types who are direct initiating control are all J types, for example. You know, or you have the starter type, who is the odd man out? That's the ESFJ, right? So there's always uh, there's always an odd man out, even in temperaments. So you look at try to find the odd man out, the uh, the oddball basically. And that's because even though you have these four types and families, there's no actual real unit cohesion at the end of the day. Because guess what? People have this problem where they show favoritism, right? And they end up ganging up on on other people because birds of a feather flock together, and that's what would happen uh, in in any of these you know families within this model. Um, so. So, so yes, but there's a lot of uh, problems, and because of those problems, it's not exactly, uh, not exactly something that could, uh, could work. So, next question. All right. Now I can delete his questions. Um, are there types or functions more prone to addiction, or is this a more of a nurture thing? Uh, yeah. Um, NPs and SPs are more prone to addiction than any of the other types hands down with SPs being the most addictive so because of how sensual right. they are but yes right 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 um, does the amount of stress a person is under correlate to how effectively one can master the secondary sides of the mind i.e. a person without stress would not breach the other side while one who endures a vast amount of stress would develop more effectively or perhaps the shadow uh, stress usually helps people develop the shadow uh, and uh, a lack of stress uh, helps and more of a serenity type of uh, point of view helps someone develop their subconscious essentially because they're able to reach happiness. So that's just kind of the pathways with which the mind goes. <laughs> You're looking at the YouTube chat? No. Have a look. Oh, yeah. It, it, uh... <laughs> Wait, do I have to sing to you? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, it is technically uh, 0400 hours in Reykjavik, which means the 7th of February is technically actually begun. So it is technically my birthday. So, yes, that's it's true. It's 3.42 p.m. here on the 7th of February in Australia, so at yeah. least on the East Coast. Yeah, but I mean... Happy I... birthday to you. Thank, thanks, Jab. Thanks. I won't sing the whole song. I mean, I'm not going to use your stream to kick off my uh, singing career. All right, well, you know, you could definitely do it if you're doing your impression of Alex Jones, you know, at the same uh, time. Happy birthday to you. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, happy birthday, Chase. I read the documents. I read that it was your birthday. 
Uh, oh, so you, so you read my birth certificate, huh? Uh, was it was yeah, it signed by was it <laughs> what, was it signed by George Soros? <laughs> it was signed by George George Soros. Your mother is Elizabeth Warren. She said you were a Native American. <laughs> wow. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. All right, we got another Aiden W question. Uh, though. Nurture, sorry. Though nature plays a role in development and characteristics of a person, how much of us, how much of someone's being is influenced by nurture? Could you give an example of something which could be caused by nurture? Oh yeah, uh, sexual abuse. That's that's a huge Oof. nurture thing, and uh, because of that abuse, uh, the other person is propagating said abuse because I never got over it. You know, mm-hmm. I got over it because I challenged my abusers publicly. And I got the catharsis of one of them actually admitting to it. And I, I really appreciated that they admitted to it and they took responsibility for their actions. That was, that was excellent. Right. A lot of people out there don't have that opportunity. And so yeah, a lot, nurture definitely affects human beings big time. Knowing type is great and it can really only get you 40 to 50 to 60% of the way there really fast in knowing a person, but you still will probably take a lifetime if not more, to actually really understand another person's nurture. And quite honestly, it's the nurture parts of them that are really, really, really important because that's where a person's hurts, pains, their bitter roots exist, um, the mountains and the obstacles in their life, and really meeting them on that level and being able to provide you know, positive change is, is definitely something majorly significant and, and something that, uh, that they need. So. Right. Um, do you want to go on to some YouTube questions now? Yeah, let's do some YouTube questions. We're about an hour and 45 into the stream, so if we take this for about two hours... All right, so YouTube. YouTube questions. Let's let's get some questions on YouTube, guys, if you, uh, if you want it. Thanks, Cortex. Although, I'm not sure about being called Chasey. Chasey Poo. Or, or what John calls me, Chasington. <laughs> Sir Chasington the second. Sir Chasington the second. First of his name. Yes. Don't ask me how you're the second, but it's the first of your name. All right. Well, I don't see any uh, YouTube questions, so let's head back on over to the other questions. Watch. As soon as I start reading another question, someone's going to post a question. Okay. CSJ, what are you personally working on in terms of your growth? Uh, Ooh. All right. So I am working on, in my personal growth right now, I'm taking up Gung Fu to help develop uh, my self-discipline. I have a new eating lifestyle I'm also working on, doing meal design for that, uh, trying to uh, come up with uh, uh, proper macronutrient strategies for that, also developing some of my lifting strategies as well. Uh, and uh, it just really comes down to like self-discipline. Another area of personal growth I'm working on is having a schedule, <laughs> an ENTP with a schedule, really? Uh, it, that's that's also a big area. Another area of personal growth I'm working on is amending uh, past hurts and pains with people that I've been very close to. Uh, if I've wronged them or if they've wronged me, it doesn't matter. I need to be taking responsibility and making sure that I'm not allowing any stone left unturned. And then uh, as a result of that, um, you know, really lay a foundation for a better future because 
I went out of my way to take responsibility or I went out of my way to not be afraid and actually hold other people accountable so that I can reach closure and resolution. So I think that uh, sums up uh, my areas of personal growth right now as well as like overall general health. Uh, but yeah. All right. Well, we got a super chat question. Okay. <clears throat> this person asked, thank you for the five euros. Euros, yeah. As an INTP, should I be particularly careful when interacting with my INFJ friends and INFJ father? Oh, sorry. What should I be particularly careful of when interacting with INFJ friends and INFJ father? Um, INFJ friend and father, and this is an INTP, uh, don't betray them, basically. Uh, never betray them. Do not abandon them. Make sure that they never understand. Demonstrate your loyalty regularly. Uh, be thoughtful. Uh, ask them what they want and always remember what it is what they want so you can get it for them later, maybe in the form of a surprise or just something that they would want thereof. Um, hmm. Also, state what your intentions are. That way that there's no guesswork, there's no guessing. You really have to communicate. It's all about communication. Uh, recently, I learned that I am terrible at communication, and I need to make sure that I'm communicating my intentions before I do them uh, consistently. And uh, and I just need to make sure that I'm actively doing that on a daily basis instead of like making assumptions, for example. So don't fall in the same pit that I have uh, recently. Uh, that would be useful. Um, so that's that's basically how I'd answer that question for the most part. Okay. Um, Gary Barlow now asks, I have strong narcissistic and sociopathic tendencies. Would it be beneficial to minimize this and it serves me so well, but not others? And how? Uh, I don't know what type this person is, uh, but... Uh, I would say uh, realize that, like, it comes from the book The Way of the Superior Man, uh, who's written by David Data, who's also an INFJ. Uh, being a man is about discovering what your deepest gift is, and that deepest gift is something that you can give, not just to your woman, but also to the world at large, and find that deepest gift and cultivate that deepest gift, that, that one thing that sets you apart from all others, and then as a result of having that one thing, you're able to provide it to the world and share it with the world, that's all, that's all it really is. It's all about sharing. And that's how you get rid of those narcissistic, sociopathic tendencies because your, your mission in life is actually sharing instead of taking. Start giving. Stop taking. That's, that's literally the best advice I could say to answer that question. Right. Um, do you love job interviews? If that question is... <laughs> Directed at you, Jab? If that question is directed at me, the answer is no, because I hate being interviewed for a position by someone who's less qualified than me. Oh my goodness. I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand how someone who's less qualified than me can be a judge of character for whether I'm good for a role of which they are trying to recruit me for. Are, are you admitting the TE users caring about uh, credentials job? Is that is that what you just admitted? Is, is that what I just heard? No. No? Oh, okay. Because okay. I'm a better person. Okay. I am literally the bee's knees. I'm more I'm more qualified. <laughs> no, I mean qualified in terms of capability, not qualified in terms of credentials. I had to go there. I had to go there. <laughs> in terms of intelligence, in terms of uh, capability, in terms of potential for growth, in terms of uh, Let me just put it this way, I have very oh. little respect for 
for uh, recruiting. Uncredentialed people. Oh, 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 okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, our recruiters aren't credentialed people. They're people with credentials in some garbage HR field. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. <laughs> um, let's see what we got. INTJ superiority complex. <laughs> How can we turn the table so that employees get to interview prospective employers? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm currently uh, enjoying the YouTube chat right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the only, the only way you could do that is if recruiters put an emphasis on getting the best talent because then the best talent would have the ball in their park. However, the best talent isn't always what they want because, you know, you never outshine the master. They want to get somebody who's beneath them. Oh, them. yeah. Yeah, the never... Yeah, like, you're right. You're right. I've had that... I've had the, I've had my ass bit so many times because I've never outshined the master. I actually almost lost my current job because I outshined the master. And that's uh, not, not good. I, um, I was... Uh, I was at a uh, a training seminar and I delivered a presentation and uh, my coworkers loved the presentation but management in the room challenged me on my presentation the quality of my work even though the instructor gave me full marks I I mean I still have the paper to, that proves it um, but uh, I I stood my ground I stood my ground to their uh, their uh, criticism because they were I felt they were giving me unfair criticism in front of my coworkers uh, you know fellow field engineers because I'm an engineer uh, an IT systems engineer. And, um, and it kind of like, wow, my reputation just got destroyed, you know, by, by these people. And uh, I challenged them. And then I left that area, that place with uh, being, um, you know, told by these people that I, um, I can't take criticism, basically. I was told that this guy can't take criticism. And uh, ever since then, it's been really difficult uh, for me, you know, to, you know, to interface with you know management at at my day job because of that risk right and so ever since then i've had to you know mind my p's and q's uh and uh you know be as respectful as possible because i uh i uh, outshine the master basically and such that uh, mm -hmm. i almost was under disciplinary action i'm very thankful that uh, uh, management decided that they did not need to go that far with me because i did not really meet mean any disrespect uh, to management in the room at that point in time I was just pointing out to them that they were wrong and incorrect in their judgments of me uh, because when I provided that, additional I, huh isn't that just isn't the hypocrisy there just hilarious they criticize you on something you criticize their critique and then they say you aren't capable of taking criticism because you criticize their criticism Yes, in fact, but at the same they're, time, they're not being capable of taking criticism by not objectively but, analyzing. Right, it. right. But this is an example of what we call "so right you're wrong," basically. And at the end of the day, <laughs> the burden of humility is technically on me, the employee, regardless. So it doesn't matter how right I am; it does not. At the end of the day, I still have to show respect to my superiors. At the end of the day, and. Uh, 
And if they feel that that's not what I did, well, it's technically on me and I still have to bite the bullet because that's the wise thing to do and take responsibility for my actions, even if I was right. Even if everyone in the room agreed with me, I still have to take responsibility for my actions anyway, and I still have to show them respect. They've been there a lot longer than me. They've, they've shed a lot more blood, sweat, and tears than I have in that situation. It's just something that you have to do for your fellow human beings instead of like behaving arrogant and pompous because technically I, I really did come off arrogant in that situation, and I regret that, and that's on me, and I'm going to take responsibility for that. So... Even though right. I maintain that they were kind of wrong in that, it, at the end of the day, you could argue that I was even more wrong than they were because it's what we call being so right you're wrong. And guess what? TI users have that problem where we can be so right we're wrong, especially overactive, over, overactive TI child on the part of INFJs. Looking at you, Bale, when I say that. Looking at you, bro. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm never wrong, only when I'm too right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, the world but, of tradition. Yeah. I could hear Jabba's aneurysm when he heard that phrase. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not all about hiring MBA grads. I'm all about hiring the best person for the job. And unfortunately, I don't think somebody with a degree and human resources is capable of d d deducing who would make a good engineer or not. Yeah, but uh, it is possible if they knew Jungian analytical psychology, it would give them a larger opportunity uh, to be able to, you know, type people and then at least match the particular position to which ideal type it was. So that at least the person's nature is matching the job. Right. And then at that right. point, the interview just becomes trying to see if their nurture is compatible just based on a few right. basic questions. I mean, that's what right. we can bring to the HR realm and recruiting. Right. And that's what we actually plan to do as an organization at CSJ to actually make that happen. We are actively working in that direction. Right. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. My my absolute disdain for recruiters is evident yeah but <sighs> i mean uh, just, the the um the trick to winning with recruiters is to have uh, many of them and not just one so that, that's yeah. that's that's the thing you have to like uh wrangle the wrangle the cows on that one yeah absolutely that cool any other question let's see um Jabba, CS Jabba, if you had to cryo-freeze one typology type forever, which type? So if I could delete one type from humanity. I wouldn't want to do that. Ooh. If I could delete one type. See, the thing is, if I delete one type, then their most compatible type is going to be upset. Oh, be well said, Jab. Well said. That's very so well I'd said. So I'd have to, I'd have to freeze too. Yeah. Yeah. So, if I were to freeze two, I don't know. What should I get rid of? Can't be ISTJs and ISTPs because if you do that, then we forget who we are, and we lose our history, and uh, also we die more often because our buildings would suck, and uh, the engineering that went behind it would just you know we'd, we'd be crashing all the time, and it would hurt human lives. 
uh, you can't get rid of um, you can't get rid of ESFJs and ISFPs because who would do all the dirty work? Uh, who would uh, be putting out the fires? You know, who would be creating amazing art or or, or amazing landscapes and, and parks and whatnot? That would go away. You can't get rid of um, ISFJs and ESFPs. All those amazing performances that we see in theaters and amazing dance and whatnot, those would go away. On top of that, we would have lost our faith as a race, and uh, our connection with the spiritual realm would be severely inhibited without ISFJs and their unyielding faith. Also, to have ISFJs that push forward and survive and endure all pain and everything, we lose our ability to endure. Good luck. You know, it doesn't matter. Every single type is absolutely critical to the survival of our race. Even though there's mm -hmm. definitely some types I personally do not want to be around on a regular basis, but that doesn't mean that they have every right or need to exist and to have their needs met and even their wants and dreams met. It can happen because guess what? It's the pursuit of happiness. Allow these people to pursue their pursuit of happiness. Love your neighbor as yourself. Learn to love yourself, love your neighbor as a result of you being able to love yourself. What business do you have loving anyone else if you cannot love yourself first? And guess what? If you delete a type or you delete two types, you've literally just doomed humanity. You can't do that. This is why I'm very afraid that one day this science, as we develop it and making it available in terms of technology, it will be utilized to create a world that is dominated by mental eugenics where people like dictators and whatnot would actively seek to remove people, remove children specifically at biblical proportions, like, you know, the story of Moses and, and babies being thrown into the river, etc. like specifically based on their type. What a horrible future for our race if that ever happens. You see what I'm saying? So we have to be very, very careful to make sure that we have mutual respect for our neighbors and mutual respect for the types of people that are out there on a regular basis. Absolutely important. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, what other questions do we have? Ba, 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 ba. Oh, there was a question about the recession. CSJ jab, how bad will the next recession be and what do you invest in? Hmm. What do you reckon? Say again. I think, I think the I think the next recession will probably be built around one of the future coming elections. So I'm not sure if it's gonna be this next presidential election or the next Senate race or the next the next Senate and House race, potentially, I'm not sure. Right. But I, f I kind of feel like you will have an economic downturn given that there is a perception currently broiling up in the Democratic Party that taxes need to be increased, which is going to make businesses panic and try and move crap offshore again. Potentially. Um, if that does happen, any business which does offshore manufacturing with a country which would likely be exempt from tariffs would probably be a company which would have an upturn in their stock. That's my guess. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I am not an economic expert. 
uh, not remotely, and uh, I have right. no opinion. I'm literally pulling a Tim <laughs> Allen here. Right, right, home right. Improvement well, show. I have no opinion. Well, I think the most volatility in the market will be built around the elections. Um, high ta if taxes are pushed too high, like kind of like um, that new far left politician Ocasio Cortex is saying, it, if the taxes were ever pushed to over seventy percent on the wealthy, most of the businesses in the U.S. are just going to be pushed overseas. I mean, that's the fact of the matter. And I uh, would. Exactly. Yeah, you 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 would probably move uh, the C.S. Joseph business overseas if you had to pay seventy percent tax. That's right. I would. Where would you move to? Uh, not here. <laughs> Canada, if I have not to. Not here. Costa Rica. Canada. London. Costa Rica. London. Who knows? We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Well, yeah. I mean, it's essentially. What it really comes down to is predicting the outcome, um, whether these systems will be put in place. If they're put in place, companies which already have their manufacturing overseas will have less of an economic burden. Whereas if these systems aren't put in place when it looks like they are going to be put in place, the companies which have their manufacturing in the United States, especially if Trump gets the tariffs going, they'll probably be the most economically viable for uh, growth on stocks. Um. Let's see. What, what other let's get let's get a here? one more type question and then call it a night. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Let's see what. Whoops. One more type. Um. What do ENTPs respect in a person? What do ENTPs respect in a person? Someone who has absolute willpower. Um and they can literally will their way through almost any obstacle. Someone who's extremely rational and very intelligent, always providing accurate input to the point where it's verified and verified and verified that the input is correct such that it becomes a core systematic belief, a belief with which an ENTP could utilize as a guide for proper uh, decision-making, especially moral decision-making. Because then they, have, they finally have uh, access to the good instead of access to the true. And then in, within their minds, they have access to the good and the true simultaneously. And then as a result of that, they're actually able to uh, grow and behave more efficiently and more optimized, which is absolutely something that they need. And, uh, and then also someone who is seeking to give them a good experience, not overly pressure them, and um, uh, in, in such a way where it's not neglectful, but at the same time, it's also in a way where uh, it just kind of meets that need, you know, of, of making sure that they're, you know, comfortable and whatnot, uh, but also continuing to expand their horizons and show them new things and provide them variety so they don't get stuck in a rut, basically, with their habits, because ENTBs can get stuck with bad habits if they're left alone for too long. Uh, so, yeah, those traits would be what ENTPs respect in a person, for sure. <laughs> yeah, Perion is like, ooh, he loves Jeb the most. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, is that it for now, or do you want to, like, sneak in a few more? Yep. That's it. Um, that's definitely... That's definitely uh, it. So... All right, folks, uh, thank you all for being for our much uh, late uh, Q&A. We're going to be doing another live stream soon for how to type. I've gotten a couple of requests from people. I think uh, yeah. I think we're going to be uh, doing an, another episode. We might get two on that episode. We'll see what happens, um, but it's going to be fun. We'll get two, yeah. 
yeah we'll see um otherwise um uh, any patreon content you want to shout out uh, yeah we're just continuing on with the golden pairs uh the golden pairs uh for the uh patreon content and uh we're also going to be having our pri private how to type stream as well if you are a patron yep. uh who's like i believe it's ruby or above please make sure that you inform us who you would like to be typed next the last time we typed uh george w bush we typed hillary clinton uh we typed um jim carrey uh we uh all in the same episode basically it was really fun i think we did like four people in one episode for that for the for patreon yeah. that was a lot of fun we could just blitz through those yeah yeah we just blitz right was through engaging them. though like pointing out stuff and it was brilliant yeah like, and interaction was 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 uh was exquisite so that that would be mm -hmm. pretty awesome so otherwise what folks, about the uh, yes what about the platinum discussion that's coming up soon again yeah we're gonna have the conference uh which we do our monthly uh conference and whatnot so uh anyway uh that being said folks uh thank you all for coming tonight uh we very much appreciate you and uh we love this audience and uh we continue to uh, move forward as a result of uh you being with us every time um i apologize that me traveling and uh the health problems that i end up having as a result of traveling so much uh has inhibited me to produce uh content on a regular schedule but we are in process of remedying that. Uh, so thank you very much uh, for your patience and your grace. We really appreciate it. So that being said, yep. uh, everyone here, you all have a good night, and we'll see you next time. See you later, see you later ladies and gents.